listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock. Look at the stars. Look how they shine for you and everything you do. Yeah, they were all rock talk. Yes, welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where we talk rock and roll all night and podcast every day. We are your hosts, John Otney. And Colin Westman. And our special special guest. Hey guys, it's me, Sean Lemmy. (laughs) I said special ghost. (laughs) Damn it. Was that that wasn't a joke? That was a no. That was just a flub. Just a straight up (laughs) flub. I got uh, you know I panicked because I wasn't sure if I was gonna say it or you were gonna say it. Well, ghosts, you know that's that's appropriate because we're we're haunted by our choices of this week's episode (laughs) or something. Uh, Looking at today's set list, it looks like we'll be. Updating our MySpace pages, stopping by Hot Topic, and taking out our iPods for a flashback to our favorite albums of the 2000s. That's our top 10 favorite albums of the 2000s. Colin, why did we pick this topic for today's episode? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> I don't think there's a particular reason. I think it was just we were thinking of Rock Top topics and this was just one i'd thought of i think because at some point we had brought up the idea on mildlyplease.com our blog of doing a sort of revisiting of our top 10 lists in regard to music as well as movies and i think we were going to do tv as well but we never did that so (laughs) i thought why don't we just turn it into a podcast um, I don't know. Maybe people are looking back at the 2000s right now. I know there's there's, there's this uh, book about the New York, uh, you know, indie rock scene in the 2000s called "Meet Me in the Bathroom" that just came out like a week or two ago. People are talking about. Let's say it's related to that. I don't know. I I think you're also maybe subconsciously a little more nostalgic right now because this is our uh you know maybe even like to the date 10 year anniversary of high school graduation which maybe has oh, you wow. looking back at that decade whoa i didn't even think of that i mean yeah you think about it. this is the decade that you know we started elementary school you know we finished in college essentially mm-hmm. i mean we weren't done with college we we're in college so it's a lot of growing to do and uh, a lot of music to reminisce about. And I think another thing was, I was looking through the, um, like the, the old posts we did, I don't know how what year that was, we did a uh, post for our favorite um, top 10 albums. We, we've, basically, we've already done this before. And um, all my choices embarrassed me. So <laughs> I kind of wanted to, to fix that. Because I think the thing is, at least for me, and it's probably different for everybody, it's like different albums mean different things to me at different times in my life. I mean, sometimes there'll be an album that's like, it's great and I'll just love it forever. But there's certain ones that like I stopped listening to or other ones that I kind of rediscover. And I think things kind of got rearranged. I don't know if um, it was uh, like that much of a shuffle for, you know, doing your lists, lists again. Like, Colin, do you, 
Is yours dramatically different from your original list? I don't mean to spoil anything, but... It's not dramatically different. Um, th- yeah, there are quite a few albums that are that were on my original list that I think we posted in December of 2009. Uh, there are quite a few that were on that list, and there's definitely been some re... Uh, re-rankings and there are also albums that I slid in there and most of the ones that are new additions are albums that I discovered kind of after the 2000s because I feel like uh, that decade I spent a lot of my teenage years listening to older music from you know 60s, 70s, 80s and it kind of took me a while to like get caught up to the present and so i feel like i don't know i feel like in 2010 and 2011 i was just catching up with albums that were on you know all those best of the 2000s lists that came out in late 2009 and so yeah there's there's some later discoveries here that i've kind of listened to during this decade a lot i think yeah my my taste it directly corresponds to when I got an iPod because like I I missed like even the strokes because I didn't have an iPod then and I wasn't listening to CDs uh like I I don't remember ever really carrying around a portable CD player and so like right around 2005 or 6 when I first got my iPod that's when I started actually caring to music caring about music from this uh this period I'm I'm wondering, Sean, did you revisit your original list? I did, and it's interesting because there are some albums on that that didn't make my list this time that I actually like really like still, and then a few that I'm just like, oh, I don't I don't give a shit about this at all. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say I'm like embarrassed about it, but it's just like, oh yeah, I remember liking this. Who cares now? Okay. Uh, well, then, yeah. Let's get let's get down to it. Uh, so, so yeah, I'll go first. And my number ten. I feel like it's an album that uh, even after all these years listening to, I still don't feel like I, I get it. Like. Like I, there's still more to be discovered, and I went with just the debut by Fleet Foxes, which seems pretty appropriate because they just came out with a new album, and I've always been a fan of the, the these guys, and I love the fact that they're from our region. You know, they <laughs> went to our high school. Went to our high school. I mean, not the same time did. as us. Yeah. And Skyler is just, just. I think we call him Skyler's skill set. <laughs> Okay. Even though there's a J in there. Uh-huh. And that's one of those bands where it's like, how do you start this band? Because it's like these amazing vocals that are just sound so big and the harmonies are beautiful. It's like everyone in a band is a good, it, like everyone in the band is a good singer. Like I find it's hard enough to get one person in a band that's a good singer, <laughs> let alone all of them. And then to like harmonize like that and to get recorded in a big church. I don't, I never actually checked if that's true. I just remember back in like, I guess 2008, someone saying that. And I was like, oh, well, that must be it. I never verified that information. Um, but it has that echoey big sound. The reason I say like, I still don't feel like I've like 
really discovered is like I'll hear a song I'm like what's that song called like there's just and like which album is that on out of the two like it kind of it's still kind of a big blur to me but like it's so beautiful and I love how it's rootsy and it's so unlike a lot of other bands and uh, you know that's yeah that's still one that I I listen to all the time I'm sure you guys like it too yeah I really like that album <laughs> yeah I'm a huge fan of this album I think maybe because I liked it more at the time I feel like I'm a slightly bigger fan of the second album I'm not exactly sure why but they're both really good and yeah I've been diving into that new one that just came out too I I like gobbled up that first album I listened to it all the time mm-hmm. and I think it burnt me out on the band because I didn't really care for the second album and this third album's doing nothing for me <laughs> okay interesting yeah, I feel like their second album was my favorite album of 2011, at least at the time. But yeah, this one's great too. Uh, so my number ten uh, definitely falls in the category of like I got into it just after the 2000s ended. Like I think I got into it of like the winter and spring of 2010. Um, <laughs> It's uh, Sound of Silver by LCD Sound System, and it's just uh, it's just a uh, rockin', groovin' good time. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those albums that I feel like just uh, it's it's uh, every every song's just a lot of fun, and it kind of added some depth to the LCD Sound System formula with uh, you know all my friends, which kind of feels like the <laughs> sort of like stereotypical millennials being like bittersweet about getting older and having less time for their friends song but uh yeah uh i think that was pitchfork's like song of that decade if i remember correctly i think it was number one song i think it was number two actually oh right it was bombs over baghdad was number one yeah yeah but I mean, yeah, that song just feels weirdly <laughs> emblematic of that era for some reason. But uh, yeah, and and all the other f- more fun songs are, are are great too. Yeah, I really like. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the first song on that album, it's like seven minutes because like most of the songs on that album are like seven minutes. Yeah, I think it's but, get get innocuous. Yeah, but it's it's got a great like David Bowie like Talking Heads vibe. Yeah, that's really cool for the two thousands <laughs> and now and all time. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you guys. What genre do you consider LCD Sound System? D- dance rock. <laughs> dance rock. Okay. Because like my first instinct is to say electronic, but like. It doesn't. He never uses drum machines. I mean, he does, but it's mostly real drums. So yeah, it feels like it's usually a mixture, and that's I think kind of why I respond to this album when so much electronic music I don't really respond to because it feels sort of, you know, analog and like it's it's actually being played by humans instead of all like pre-programmed shit, which you know became <laughs> a, a, a pretty. Uh, 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 you know, something you saw a lot in the 2000s, and mm-hmm. LCD sound system made it feel a little more real and have that personal touch to it. 
Oh my god, Colin, that is a perfect setup for my number 10, because right. it's Discovery by Daft Punk. Mm. Uh, Daft which Punk has hell- is playing in your ears. Yeah, hella loops. Um, <laughs> but, like, if anybody is allowed to do it, it's Daft Punk, right? Like, they've, they've earned it. And yeah. I think they earned it with Discovery, which, like, is maybe one of the best like at least first halves of an album you'll ever hear it's <laughs> so fun um like i you, i can't believe like i i don't know one more time maybe isn't everybody's jam but it is a hundred percent my jam uh that's a five minute pop song that deserves to be five minutes long because it's so goddamn fun Whose jam is it not, Sean? I feel like that song's a pretty good like measure of Cops? like if if you're an asshole or not. <laughs> you know, if you don't like that song, you, you got something wrong with you, dude. <laughs> Do you not like fun? <laughs> uh, and of course, I every time I listen to Discovery, I think back to that crazy anime movie they made <laughs> to go with it, uh, which was. That was my first time hearing the album when they played that on Cartoon Network back probably around when it came out in 2000, 2001. Uh, fucking sweet. And I also assumed they were Japanese until I found out, no, they're French. <laughs> but I was okay with it. French people can like disco too. It took me a while to get into Daft Punk. I think initially I was turned off by that song on the next album, Robot Rock, because I thought it was too similar to the song that it was sampling, but then I heard Discovery, and the songs they use for sampling on that one, there's only a couple of them, like, they sound way different, and they're, like, so much better, and it's like, and there's robots on them, like, it's pretty great. It is pretty, it is a pretty front-loaded album, so I'd be curious to see what it's like to see that that weird movie that you mentioned, Interstellar 555. Like, cause it's gonna, I bet the first like half hour or whatever, 10, 15 minutes of that is like pretty awesome. But like, not like the last half is not as good, but just, it's, there's not like as many singles, it seems like. So. No, it's not as good. It's fine. But you yeah. can say that. It's not as good. <laughs> like the, the first five songs on the album though, like Jesus, they're amazing. Like, that was one of my honorable mentions is Discovery. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I guess back to me already. That's fast. Uh, so yeah, my number nine, uh, I wasn't really into it when it came out, but I think it, it kind of reminds me of like, it brings me back to community college for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why I got into it then. And that's, um, Fever to Tell by the Yeah Yeah's 2003. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know why I got into it then, but I remember finally getting into that album. Of course I knew the song Maps. I think their second album probably came, had come out by then too. That was like 2006. And then I like checked out the rest of the album, and I was surprised by how punk it was. And there's so many songs that were a minute fifty, two minutes, and it was just like rocking. Like I was like, wow, like Maps is so pretty, and this is so like this is like garage rock music. And it was so interesting to have just three people, just guitar, drums, and vocals. And Carano is so cool, and it was such a weird mix. Um, you know, I never really liked their other albums as much because they kind of uh, they, it felt a little more normal, <laughs> which uh, which I think they kind of had to do because you can only do the this guy's a guitar, this this guy's a drummer. Like you only do that so many like for so long. You gotta change it eventually. But I think on that first album is when I really responded it to, uh, responded to it the most, and 
there's a lot of songs on there I love. You know, Pin, uh, Y Control, Date with the Night. I always like that story, Sean, you had about playing this album like on a family road trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and all the moaning and uh, <laughs> sexual noises not actually fitting the, uh, I believe it was the post-Christmas uh, return journey the family was on with me. We were all in the car. I don't know. At that point, I was really like, anytime that I got to plug into the amp, I was just plugging like whatever album I had was listening to without really even thinking about it. And I got made fun of a lot uh, for playing Sugar Rose. They're like, "What the hell is this, Sean? You idiot! <laughs> what is this? Whale sounds?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say this is definitely an album where it's interesting that it was kind of a mainstream success because yeah, a lot of the songs are kind of unconventional and abrasive and weird. But I guess it's just because it had maps, which is this great sort of anthemic <laughs> ballad. I didn't know it was produced by David Sytek from uh, TV on the Radio. Mm. So I guess he was he was producing kind of before his band really broke out so that's kind of cool that he's he's doing that i guess for longer than i thought because i know i've seen other albums that he's produced but uh yeah no real guttural piece of i don't know if you, you'd put it in the garage rock revival movement but mm-hmm. it does it does feel similar to that like there's a kindred spirit there yeah uh like it a lot uh my number nine is an album that i will probably be on another person's list but maybe not it's uh the first album by vampire weekend i think it has been dethroned as my favorite vampire weekend album by their third one but this one's still really great and just has all the aspects that made vampire weekend you know great but also like annoying to some people who thought they're just a bunch of rich kids rip it off Paul Simon but I mean these songs are so catchy and upbeat and it definitely helped that it came out like like the right when I was starting college because uh, it's just such a college album I, I mean I didn't go to a fancy Ivy League school but I did go to a school in the city like they did so it just felt appropriate um, yeah still like it yeah, I feel like some people probably didn't like it. And sometimes even I was turned off by the fact that the lyrics were just like, they seem they seem so up their own ass with like their literary references. Oh, yeah. and their... It's like, these guys took a bunch of classic literature classes in college and want to tell you about it. They know about philosophy and blah, 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 and French films from the 60s, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's a niche crowd, but I don't know. I mean... It, the music was so good, and I liked the arrangements. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the one I still listen to. Okay, uh, so my number nine, then, is Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots uh, by the Flaming Lips. Uh, look, the Flaming Lips suck. And <laughs> it seemed like they got really out of control, like since this album came out. Like this was the last time they ever like had their their shit in check. Yeah, I, but like that's not gonna ruin it for me. I, yeah. I'm not gonna let it. Um, 
they reinvented themselves in the at the very end of the '90s with the uh, the soft bulletin because I think before was I think maybe the album right before the soft bulletin was Zyrica. They're like get like. 10 CDs and you and your buddies can get together and play them at different times on different boom boxes and it'll come together. It's like, that's nobody listens to music like that. Um, but I really like the soft bulletin. And then I super duper like, uh, Yoshimi battles, the pink robots, um, sort of a concept album about, uh, Japanese girl fighting pink robots uh, but also, it's just like a super space rocky album, kind of psychedelic, uh, and it also has like one of the greatest songs of all time. Do you realize tucked in there right at the end? Super good. Also, it's got that song uh, from uh, that cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fight test. Yeah, I remember watching the documentary about them. I can't remember what it's called now, but it was really good. Um, and then listening to that album. That was around the time, Sean, we made that failed Sasquatch movie. It was all shot, but I never edited it all together because I realized it was just okay. It just wasn't that good. <laughs> but on those long trips back and forth to Olympia, I was listening to this album a lot and just digging into it, just like going to sleep on Jake's couch. I remember having these, like, my headphones plugged in and just like so trippy and just taking me away <laughs> ego tripping at the gates of hell that song mm-hmm. i really liked i mean what a title too uh, and are and are you a hypnotist ah oh, that's, that's a lot of good it's funny how like they found that brief period of time where they could be both totally psychedelic but also really like com- like commercial and poppy that was such that seems like such a brief window now it's so they're so weird now i don't even know what i don't even know what they're doing they have an album like out like every year. <laughs> yeah, didn't they put out an album? I think it was the Flaming Lips to put out like an album that was like a USB stick embedded in a real human skull. I don't think it was a real <laughs> human skull. I think it was a skull made out of like gummy candy or something. <laughs> when you said that, I just imagined. Different. Yeah, I don't think it was a real skull. They were like, we got this <laughs> from the moratorium. <laughs> Is there just one, like one copy of the album? Is there a lot of skulls floating around? Like, well, because, how does that work? Because I'm pretty sure it's a gummy skull. There were multiple <laughs> copies made, but it's probably like a hundred or something. That's all sticky, and then you have to plug that into your computer. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound like a fun time to me. But maybe to those. I don't think I want to eat a gummy that had a USB stick in it. I feel like you're ruining both of the things by packaging it that way. <laughs> yeah. I hope like a lot of their views were like it's delicious. <laughs> I don't know that I'd say that my number eight pick is delicious, but because <laughs> it's not like about food or anything. Though it might be, but probably not. Uh, Narrow stairs. Oh, yeah. You guys have all heard that album. I had to pick. I wanted to pick one Death Cab <laughs> album because Death Cab's one of those bands that I liked when I was a teenager that I still like, but like I'm aware that they're probably. I don't know, kind of maybe kind of hokey by today's standards. I don't really know. I don't really care. I feel like they're a band that Pitchfork probably doesn't like, except for maybe they like transatlanticism, so whatever. I feel like, uh, I mean, for one, who cares what Pitchfork thinks, but I feel like they were a band that, uh, you know, weren't 
embraced by Pitchfork back in the 2000s, but I think they're okay with them now. I just remember they recently did a, a list of like the 50 greatest indie rock albums like ever, and Death Cab was on there a couple times. Oh, cool. I mean, yeah, I was definitely aware of them at this point. I probably became aware of them with with Soul Meets Body on that, on plans. So that's that's kind of the period that I became aware of them. And then so I was like eagerly awaiting this one, and I Will Possess Your Heart comes out as the single, and it's bizarre. It's like, this is the single. It's eight minutes long. It's got this like two, three minutes of jamming at the front. But, I mean, I love that, and it's cool how they always open their shows with that. Because I've seen them like 20 times in concert somehow. And uh, there's a lot of other great singles here too. No Sunlight and Kath. I like Grapevine Fires a lot. And Long Division. It's, it, it's I don't know, it's the one that's easiest for me to revisit. And um, I, I just regret that I didn't see them on like touring for this album. Like out of all the times I've seen them, that's one time I wish I had seen them. Because I've never seen them play Bixby Canyon Bridge live. So didn't we see <laughs> yet them? another reason for me to see them? Didn't we see them on this that... tour though? No, we saw them on. Um, we saw them between tours. I guess this was current. Like this was... this was like at the time their most current album. Yeah. But it's like they were just touring just cause you know, <laughs> like their most current song at that point was the song they'd done for a Twilight movie. So. <laughs> okay. But yeah, we did see them. I guess technically after this album and before the one Probably that came after it. Probably 2009 be my guess. Well, they we still didn't play them. Bixby Canyon Bridge. Yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I want to hear that song live, and I have yet to see it. I've seen them play I Will Possess Your Heart like 8 million times, and I feel like they always fuck it up. <laughs> Don't you feel like they fuck it up? You, I mean, we've all seen them play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen them twice. <laughs> Somehow. I know they played, like, me and Sean, I remember, saw them when they did all of Transatlanticism, and after they finished that, they played this and some other songs. I feel like they fuck it up every time. Like, they have their jam section, and then they go into the part where Ben Gibbard starts singing, and, like, everything kind of stops, and it sounds really bad every time. Every time. It's hard Maybe for Maybe pick them. a different song to open with. They're not a jam band. <laughs> It's funny that I've seen them so many times considering like they don't rock at all. It doesn't really make for a very good standing room show. Mm-hmm. Yet every time I've seen them it's been more or less standing. I guess I guess it wasn't standing at Key Arena because there's so many people there, but you know, there was a standing section. Just mm-hmm. we're in the nosebleeds. Uh but yeah, no. Love that album. Never understood the cover. It's just like it's art, like a, you know. You're supposed to see, like, a boat in there, maybe? One of those magic (laughs) eye things? Yeah, if you look at it. I feel like all their album covers are like, it's just some art or bullshit or something. Whatever. You just don't get it. Mm -hmm. But, Colin, would I get your, what is it, number eight pick? I don't know. Because you may have not listened to it, but maybe you'd get it if you did listen to it. Uh, This is one I came around on maybe the last couple years it's uh the woods by sleater kinney um because i guess for a while i just had a hard time getting into sleater kinney because i don't know is it like their songs have hooks and they do rock but they rock in kind of this sort of angular (laughs) unconventional way except on the woods like you listen to that first song 
and it's like it starts with just this squealing feedback and then just like the heaviest riff you've ever heard with like the heaviest drums you've ever heard because janet weiss is just the best drummer and uh this is just my go-to album if i just want to rock so hard (laughs) like if i want to make my ears hurt which i know most people don't go to music for that reason but sometimes i'm just in a mood yeah sometimes i'm just in a mood where i'm just like i need to fucking blast some shit in my car because i don't know that's just the mood i'm in this is the album i go to it's uh it's just a heavy fucking awesome piece of rock and it's interesting that it was like their last album and then they kind of just went on a hiatus. It's, it's that's a rare thing where a band just keeps working and working, and then you know they come out with an album that sounds like heavier and more vital and more youthful than like anything else going on at the time. And yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I've never heard it. I feel pretty lame. That's okay. <laughs> I've heard the first one and their most recent one, and nothing in between. Well, this is. You know, their I feel like I, I feel like I gotta check album. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, my, mean, it's my favorite of theirs. Washington Heroes. I've driven by that Sleater Kinney <laughs> road or whatever it is like that, so many times. That overpass that goes over. Yeah. I five. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a great road it's a great road <laughs> and a great band you say having not even actually been on it like maybe it actually sucks being honest <laughs> like it looks fine for my five what's your number eight sean uh my number eight is uh you know i, I like I, there are two albums I think of when I think of the 2000s, and this is one of them. It's Funeral by Arcade Fire. Um, I don't listen to it much anymore these days uh, because, I, as you guys pointed out, I'm a shark. I'm just always moving forward, never looking back. <laughs> if I stop moving forward, I die. Um, and this came out in 2004, so it's, that's like a long time ago. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's this raw emotional story about growing up and dealing with life uh with a bunch of people who are willing to just scream and go whoa oh a lot uh, but back before like that was called like the millennial yelp or whatever they call that now <laughs> when it was new and exciting <laughs> and beautiful um also another album that I associate with a movie, although this one is uh, not one I've seen since theaters, the Where the Wild Things Are, Spike Jones movie, um, with a, a Carano soundtrack, a little tie-in to Yeah, Yeah, Yes. But uh, yeah, one of the best trailers of all time had Wake Up and James Gandolfini throwing a kid around. <laughs> I'm just going to picture him doing it, not like him as a monster doing it. Rest in peace. Uh, but yeah, that's one of those albums that like I, I'm kind of, I feel like a bandwagon fan. I probably didn't listen to it until that movie came out. And I'm like, oh, wow, that song's 
pretty anthemic. Like, I don't think I'd heard that one because I don't think I'd ever heard the whole album. So I was like, God, God what did I miss? Got to go check that out. And <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that album. Uh, yeah, I listened to this one sort of around the time it came out. I probably listened to it like 2005, even though I wasn't listening to much new music at this point. Uh, <laughs> I even have a memory of on MySpace, I put Arcade Fire in my favorite music section and John wrote a comment on my wall that was like, dude, you like Arcade Fire? They sound like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And I was like, okay. <laughs> One is a weird <laughs> assessment of Arcade Fire. <laughs> also, what's so bad about Frankie Goes to Hollywood? <laughs> Uh, it was that song. What's the one that was the single? Is it Neighborhood 2? Yeah. I, I, like, can da, 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 da. I can see how you make 80s. that connection. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you know, I guess I wasn't, you know, I didn't realize that they were cool yet, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm. That's funny. I do remember not, I still am not a huge fan of that particular song, but I love that album. Uh I definitely like it better than Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> Not like I know any other songs aside from Relax. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that sounds like something I, I said. A lot mm. more, like, on the offense back then. No, I feel that way about music when we were in junior high and high school. We were, we were sort of combative about it. Like, we really were, like... The bands you liked was really important, and if we didn't agree with the bands you liked, we'd fucking tell you, dude. It's not cool. Yeah, send you a, send you a, like a message just riddled with typos. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, definitely some of those on our blog. If you go, if you dig deep to two thousand eight, <laughs> not my finest hour. Yeah, I I, I wonder, like. At at that point in time, like on MySpace, right? You ha- you had to like list your your favorite bands mm-hmm. as as a key part of your profile. Yeah. Um. And now we don't have that any like like I don't. No one knows what anyone's really listening to anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's all kind of yeah. a secret. Yeah. And I wonder if. Since there's not really a, a concept of popular music anymore, <laughs> like it doesn't matter what people like anymore. I wonder if that's some like I don't know if it's uh, we got older or if society moved on from like you got to hate on bands. That's fascinating. I think that's definitely something that happened. I think also at the time social media was just so new, and we were young, so you wanted to seem cool by li- liking like a lot of bands and having a lot of bands. On your profile, you know. <laughs> but now, like, you know, social media has evolved and changed, and it's not really, as music trends have changed, it's not really a thing anymore. Yeah. I, do, do you think anyone is, like, constantly updating their Facebook likes? Like, I, I remember I deleted all my likes out of Facebook. I haven't updated them in probably, like, six years, five years, you know. <laughs> not like, oh, I like that band. Better go tell people to like them on the Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Better go like their page. So I can get emails that are definitely coming from them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on to my number seven, 
This is an album that I definitely remember when it came out and certainly didn't mind it. Like, I wasn't really into it, but, like, you know, it, was, it seemed okay. And then just, like, the last couple of years, for some reason, for no reason, really, I just got really into it. And now I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I own a physical copy, and that's uh, that's Demon Days by the Gorillas. You know, that's, that's one of those albums that was pretty big when it came out because of Feel Good, Inc. And I guess, mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, Dare. But there's a lot of like other stuff on that album that's great. There's a lot of songs that feel like they could be singles, and they're also different. But it's you know Damon Albarn really ties them together with that kind of that lazy London voice, and I love the the use of collaborators. I think at the time I was still a little against how much hip hop was on there, which is crazy because looking back, it's really not that much. Like you look at the Gorillas today, like there's way more. Like it, it like I checked out that new Gorillas album, like. You can barely even tell that Damon Albarn's on it. It's so it's like so many other artists. Like so this one really feels like it was it was his his baby, but also like him collaborating with a lot of other great people, a lot of other like interesting sounds and styles. I mean this this has Dennis Hopper on it. <laughs> How many albums have that? Not many. Mm, I'm sure there are a few, but maybe like the Blue Velvet soundtrack. <laughs> got a little sad clip of him from the movie (laughs) now i could be wrong but sean i feel like you were kind of a gorillas fan maybe in high school or maybe i was uh like a lot of people that got on them fairly early it was the that soul child remix of 19 to 2000 that Mm -hmm. that got me interested in um gorillas and then I, i really liked um you know, like Clint Eastwood and some of those early kits they had. Uh, and I really, really liked Demon Days when it came out. But man, John, <laughs> I'm having a hard time even thinking what's on that album right now. I've I've totally moved on, I'm sorry to say. Oh, you know, it's got Last Living Souls, Kids With Guns. Oh, yeah. Both those songs, the chorus is kind of just Demon Album saying, saying those words. <laughs> Kids with last. guns, living souls, and that lazy style he has. But then you got songs like Dare, and I love the story about Dare. How they they brought in Sean Ryder, who we didn't mention on our Britpop podcast, but he had a notable Britpop band with the Happy Mondays, and uh, he sings the er sings quotation the uh, the chorus. But it was supposed to be it's there, but his like accent is so thick that it just came out it's there. It's Dare! So we'll just call it Dare instead of It's There. I always thought that was a pretty funny story. I don't know if you guys know much about Sean Ryder. He's a pretty goofy, weird guy, so... I'm sure he enjoyed the attention. (laughs) It's funny because I think a lot of people maybe even still really like the Gorillas because of that that fake band that they used to promote it and just the artwork that Jamie Hewlett does and all that stuff. But for me, it's just like... I think I got deeper into Damon Albarn... And then I kind of went backwards and just got, you know, checked out all those albums that I hadn't checked out like this one. So I'm really in it more for his, you know, his songwriting than whatever he was trying to create, like, image-wise. Um, but, yeah, no, trust me. It's a very it's a very catchy album, and it really, like, flies by. It's, like, 50 minutes long, but it feels like 30 minutes long. It's uh, got a copy in my car right now for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Dennis Hopper song is cool crazy like if you haven't heard that one before because it's not going to be on the radio because it's him talking about like an exploding island 
Uh, <laughs> flying out of it. the head of monkey. Yeah, it's bizarre. Is, is it something he wrote, or do you think it's something someone else wrote for him to speak? Because ah. that guy seemed a little insane. That guy was a loose cannon, but I'm going to guess that he probably, he probably didn't come in with that prepared. He's, <laughs> okay. he's, an, he's an actor. Hey, you know? he's a writer, director also. I suppose, I suppose that's true. Um, yeah. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, Colin, your I guess it's my turn. Okay, so mine, this, we don't have to talk about this album much because it was kind of heralded as like the ubiquitous best album of the 2000s when all those lists came out. And it was higher up on my original top 10, but it's lower now just because I haven't returned to it that much, but I still think it's great. It's uh, Kid A by Radiohead, you know. <laughs> the album that kind of changed everything as far as 2000s music as far as like distributing songs online as far as rock bands embracing more electronic music uh yeah it's just a landmark album and it's good i just feel like i have to put some radiohead album on my list and this is just the one i like the most in rainbows obviously is also great uh hill of the thief's good too be honest i've never gotten that into amnesiac i don't know why because it's kind of just the same vibe as this album but maybe it kind of feels like the table scraps from this album because i feel like some of the songs on there were like recorded during the time of kid a but they're like eh fuck it (laughs) (laughs) we'll worry about it later yep worry about it but uh this was the album that like i I definitely didn't like listen to when it came out but i remember it was when this album came out when i first became aware of radiohead like i probably knew the song creep but i didn't know who it was by but then i remember watching you know this is actually probably a couple years after it came by it was probably probably like 2003 4 like how you remember how vh1 used to show snl reruns (laughs) yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw a re- I because no way I saw it when it was new. I think it was a rerun. I want to say it was like Kate Hudson maybe was hosting or something. Uh, <laughs> For almost yeah, famous. Yeah, Kate Hudson. Yeah, maybe. That yeah, that makes sense. 2000. And uh, and Radiohead was a musical guest. And I was like, okay, let's check these guys out. And they play national anthem. And I was like, what the fuck? And it's like so fucking weird. It's got that sweet like riff. The There's that brass section that sounds like sounds like off but like it feels right like it sounds like they're playing the wrong notes but they're the right notes (laughs) and then johnny greenwood i still have no idea what he's playing it looks kind of like a like a weird electric piano and then he puts his finger in this little ring that's on a string and he slides it up and down this thing it's like like a like a theremin or something and it's it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then I got like, yeah, that was probably like 2002 or three. Cause I remember like, oh, that's cool. And then, you know, they're there. Like that song came out and then I got, you know, Hail to the Thief. So it was probably all around the same time. It probably all built up. Um, took me years to actually check out that album. But yeah, I love that album. It feels so ahead of its time. It's weird to think that it came out in 2000. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to put yourself in that mind space because we know Radiohead from their, like, post-Kid A albums. But, yeah, like, you look at OK Computer, and it's like, yeah, it's got some experimental 
tendencies on it. I mean, it's kind of atmospheric, but for the most part, it's guitar-based alternative rock music, if, you know, a, a little bit more adventurous. But this is just kind of, like, off the deep end. Like, I can imagine fans of Radiohead being, like, not even knowing what to make of this album when it came out, because it, like, barely has any guitar. It's, like, all keyboards and... Seems like Phil Selway's barely playing drums on it. It's just, yeah, it's just a huge leap and kind of the kind of album that separates a very good band from a, you know, one of the all timers. Yeah, I remember Tom York said after Kid A, I think, like if you had to choose between a computer and a guitar, he would choose the computer. <laughs> So we know Which, whose side he's on in the great robot. <laughs> yeah. We have a robot sympathizer in our midst. <laughs> I mean, we already knew. I mean, he has an okay computer. We know. Yeah. He's okay with computers. <laughs> I think that's what that's that what title it means. means. <laughs> yep. Crack the code. <laughs> Only took us 20 years. Uh, my number whatever. Seven sure is uh, uh sufjan stevens invites you to come on feel the illinois um just because it has superman on the cover i love soups he's a good <laughs> dude it. he's a great <laughs> man uh and he's a wonderful superhero and he's looking out for us That's it. That's your entire <laughs> review of that album. Which I believe, did they have to take Superman off the CD versions of the I think cover? they put balloons on top of it. Because like, like they couldn't get sticker. the rights to Superman. Something yeah. Like that. Oh, well. Uh, this is like uh, his masterpiece, I think. Uh, <laughs> Not sure Super about Season. So once he was, you know, he, he did Michigan and he did this and he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do 50 states. But then he fucked up and stopped <laughs> doing albums for like a long time. Uh, but the the two that he did do are good. Uh, have you guys even heard Michigan before? Sure. Yep. Okay. Then we don't need to talk about it. We'll just talk about the one I actually put on the list, uh, which is Illinois. Um, I guess everybody knows the song Chicago. That's kind of the hit from it. I also really like the first song about the UFO sighting, uh, where it just has a, a really simple but I think incredibly beautiful piano riff. Uh, and he finds uh, humanity and beauty, like not only in in something like that, like a questionable UFO sighting, um, but other more confusing and shocking subjects like John Wayne Gacy, um, and, and even there's a there's a song about the Sears Tower, which is cool. Uh, it's a hell of a thing and uh, a great like driving your car album for me uh because a lot of the time when i'm driving for a while it's like i5 and just not a lot going on and i've got time to listen to uh, a like 70 minute album that's in touch with nature and the beauty of small towns and everything in between 
Yeah, the first time I heard it was on a long car trip. I remember I was driving to Ellensburg through like a snowstorm, and like that was stressing me out. And then like I was hearing this album for the first time, and it's like it's kind of overwhelming, like instrumentally and like conceptually. It's, so it's like I'm going through the snowstorm, and like just like all this like brass sections and stuff, and like it was like it was a pretty memorable experience. And it kind of took me a while to ease into this, but now I like it a lot. But like, man, this there's like it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Kind of a crazy whole like album. I mean, look at these song titles: "The Black Hawk War" or "How to Demolish an Entire Civilization." And still, I'm not even gonna. I can't. Even, I don't even want to say the whole thing. It's that long. It takes longer to say it than to listen to it. I bet. It's like that dude is like so kooky, but like I don't know. He's got like a sense of humor, but also, also like these songs are like really emotional and they're like really like catchy and there's like all sorts of great instrumentation it's it's just like there's so much to to dive into here it's crazy i think he played when i saw him live he played two songs from this i I believe i believe he played john wayne gacy and he played he ended his show with chicago i guess that's kind of like his 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 song his signature song if you will (laughs) so that was really cool okay i guess we move on to my number six which is radiohead but i went with in rainbows it was tough picking a Radiohead album. I pretty much love all the ones from that decade. Uh, of course, you know, I talk about Hail to the Thief all the time because that's the Radiohead album that got me into Radiohead. But I think I went with In Rainbows because it's the one that I think I'm most inclined to revisit over time. Like, it's not as... Over- not that I'd say most Radiohead albums are overwhelming, but it's, it's a very easy listen for me. It's like 42 minutes. It's like, what, 10 songs... It's like it's it feels a little more stripped down, and uh, yeah, just like you know, it's a good balance between some of their like, like more I guess slightly electronic stuff. But there's like plenty of guitars there, and there's like some pretty songs, and there's like some rocking songs like Body Snatchers. And when it came out, remember it was Pick Your Own Price. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that pretty sweet. That was that blew my mind when that happened. <laughs> How much did you guys I, pay? Or this is that too personal? <laughs> Uh, no, Very I can tell personal. you, I paid zero. <laughs> nice, because I wanted to see if that worked, and it did. And they're like, "Okay, here's the album." I probably paid like five dollars. <laughs> yeah. I paid, I paid zero. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Sean. Let me ask you. Did you feel a little guilty? I felt hella guilty. I didn't think it was gonna work, but it did work. <laughs> yeah, so I, I felt like, guilty too. Sweet. But I, you know, I gave them uh, some some uh, free press because I put that number one. On the uh, SeanLemmy.com blog that year, for my album. <laughs> year, so. so that's they should be thanking you. Yeah, it's high on my list, but I'm sure my number one was something embarrassing. If there was um, a Killers album that year, it was whatever Killers album was. I <laughs> uh, just what I listened to. <laughs> Yeah, what I like about this album is that it it feels like the the culmination of their efforts in the 2000s. Like I I, I don't even know if it's true, but I remember hearing the rumor was that they had been kind of knocking around some of these songs like since at least Hail to the Thief time, but maybe even earlier than that. And they they these were songs that they often performed live but hadn't put onto an album yet. They were feeling them out for a while uh, until In Rainbows came together. Uh, that sounds that's, right, because <laughs> they do that a lot. Like I remember, there was one song 
on their most recent album that they've been playing since like the bends holy shit they just don't forget about songs they're just like "Eh, maybe we'll put that on the next one (laughs) which is interesting they need to workshop it for like a decade (laughs) i would love to see how much those songs change over time like maybe like oh that's what it was missing it was missing a bongo drum (laughs) or something like maybe they always play it different until they're like ah now we gotta record this it's fucking sweet because that's how radiohead talks (laughs) (laughs) i i also really like that this is um a really balanced album like it's really easy to listen to as an album it's not like the fast songs and the slow songs are mixed up and the the obvious like singles are spread out like it's not front loaded it's not back loaded it's like you said easy to listen and it's it is that and it's easy to listen the entire way through um and that that for me is, has made it my favorite from the decade as well over over Kid A, which I think Kid A is a better album, but it, I just don't listen to it as much. It is more unwieldy, definitely. <laughs> like, that's the impressive thing. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> that's the impressive thing about this album is it is kind of them like you know consolidating things and sort of like scaling it back and becoming kind of a guitar band again and you'd think like that kind of sounds like regressing but for whatever reason this album's yeah it's just great like even though they're kind of it doesn't feel like they're regressing it just feels like they're being themselves (laughs) yeah my turn again yeah your number six okay uh my number six is another like derogatory like not derogatory obligatory is the word i was thinking for (laughs) it's a huge difference (laughs) (laughs) like another obligatory like one of the best bands of the 2000s maybe i would say the best objectively other than radiohead the white stripes uh gonna go with elephant it's the one that was on my original top 10 list and i still like it the most uh i don't know if it's like the most like i don't know indicative of of the white stripe sound since it's definitely a bigger album (laughs) than their first few like it sounds like them kind of going for like an arena rock type thing even though it somehow still retains that that simplistic garage rock sound like it doesn't feel like they're straying away from the sort of two-person aesthetic that defined that band and yet it sounds bigger and yeah it's just just great it's just one of those rock albums where song after song just rocks and hits every beat you would want on a classic sounding rock album it's just it's awesome i love their balance between like like their own singles and then like all bluesy stuff but then like weird covers like i just don't know what to do with myself <laughs> like a burt backrack cover is on like one of the greatest albums of the 2000s like that's such an eccentric bizarre choice but yeah. you know they can make any song their style and it's it's you know it just works somehow and I mean, hey, Seven Nation Army, that's become weirdly now like a sports anthem. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I didn't. Also, this that song brings me way back because I remember being in junior high guitar class 
And like, you know, everybody was playing that riff. Mm-hmm. Like it's the smoke on the water, like of you know of the two thousands. You know, everyone's going doom, 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 doom. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's the great thing about this band is it. I don't know. It came at a time where I assume most people thought like everything about rock and roll has been played out. There's no way of reinventing it. And the White Stripes, I kind of knew that. I mean, because they didn't try to take rock to a new place. They just kind of boiled it down to the most simplistic things that that have made it a, a worthwhile genre for so many decades. And I don't know. I think I feel like you could make the case they're kind of the last truly great American rock band, but. Uh, Colin, I think you're forgetting a little band called Imagine Dragons. That's right. <laughs> you guys hear their new song, Believer? I mean, they, they have had more hits than the White Stripes. So. <laughs> they probably are right now. richer than so the terrible. White Stripes. <laughs> I take all that back. <laughs> There's that trademark rock talk sadness we all needed. Yep. Uh, my next album is, um, oh boy, this is going to be fun. Uh, the Reminder by Feist. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, it's mom like, rock. That brings me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, no, it's called Baroque Pop, right? Not Baroque Rock. Yeah, uh, Pop. But, I don't know, I... I really like this album, and and not even because it has that iPod song one two three four on it. Uh, I don't even know why that's like like the song that Apple chose. It's it's like way deep into the album, and there's already like a bunch of good songs you would have heard just to get to one two three four, like I feel it all, which is like the happiest song of all time. Um, there's a lot going on here. Uh, they got Chili Gonzalez, the music genius, uh, playing piano and, and co-writing a few of the songs. Uh, probably the most famous of which is uh, "The Limit to Your Love," which was covered by uh, by James Blake on his first album. Um, and then there's even there's there's Sea Lion, which is like a sort of cover of a Nina Simone song, uh, which has a lot of clapping in it, which is really good, and d- definitely has a Nina Simone vibe um but also i just find feist like incredibly charming like almost irresistible uh and and when i think about 2000s music i think about uh her albums and i think about uh broken social scene which also had some great albums in the 2000s and i just want to have uh some of that represented on my list some of that baroque pop stuff uh, and I think the reminder is the one that does it. Yeah, I've never listened to that album. I should. <laughs> this seems like a fun time. I know I feel it all, and I know one, two, three, four. Because yeah, iPod song. Mm-hmm. So it's also got uh, really, yeah. my moon, my man. You might have heard that one. Maybe if it was in like an indie trailer in the mid two thousands, <laughs> I probably heard it. That's how I discovered a lot of music. I feel in that period, like through trailers. It's like oh yeah. I tried to not have any Garden State music on my list. I, I, I think I escaped it, but maybe. Maybe there's something in there. Do the Shins like Garden State? 
I feel like they don't. But it, have they ever commented on that? But it brought them so <laughs> much more money. I assume. <laughs> I mean, how many people like learned about them because of that? I certainly learned about them because of Garden State. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that and I'll share that with you guys later if I figure it out. Um, do the shins like Garden State? Okay, but before you do that, why don't you tell us who your next album is? I feel bad about my next pick because it's a great album. I feel like it deserves to be higher, and I think it will be higher on someone else's list, so I hate to steal someone's thunder by having it earlier, but it's just kind of where it, it played out for me, and that's uh, The Strokes. Is this it? I uh, love that album so much. I remember I remember like the whole sequence of events that, that got me into that album. It was... Uh, their second album had just come came out, and uh, Reptilia. That was that was the song, mm-hmm. and I loved it so much. And I was like, I, I need more of this song because like I could only see it when it played on MTV too. So I logged on to our dial-up internet, and it's like, how can I listen to this on, on on the computer? Like, can you do that? Can you listen to music on your computer? <laughs> and then I remember, I think I stumbled across it was like an MTV website, or I think it was MTV. And they had the video on the site. I'm like, oh my gosh, because you know YouTube didn't exist or anything. Um, and then, and then like you could download it, and I did, and that took probably like a half hour. And it's like it was so compressed and small, and it was like the worst quality. This little teeny like the Reptilia video on my computer was like, oh my god, look, it's Reptilia. I'm watching Reptilia, and I was like, I love this song. This band is so cool. And then not long after, I heard 1251. And I go down to, I guess it would have been Circuit City. A whole bunch of stuff in this story that's so dated. (laughs) And uh, they didn't have it, though. They were all sold out. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll get the first one, Uh, which turned out to be a great uh, decision because I immediately fell in love with that album. And I remember uh, burning it and giving it to Colin and Nancy. And then I remember us all hanging out on, on AIM talking about it, going back and forth. AOL. Oh, man, I like that song, that song. AOL. For those who don't remember. Yeah, aim, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and just like fall in love with it. And then like that summer, went on like a camp, like a I guess I don't know if you call it a camping trip. So that one that you came on, Sean, where we stayed at a cabin, and nice. I remember like like here, Sean, you got to check this out. And like I was just trying to like give it to everybody, have everyone check it out. I wanted everybody <laughs> to love this band, and and uh, just fell in love with that album. And I, I definitely what I could still put on to, like oh my god, this is so good, and it just flies by. <laughs> Um, it's, it's just, it's special. Yeah. I definitely remember you burning that copy for me and me being like, yes, I will take this <laughs> because at the time I was a little hesitant about listening to much new music. I was deep in my classic rock phase, but I was also, you know, <laughs> deeply obsessed with the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time. And this album was on it like in the 300, which was crazy to me because the album was only like a couple of years old when that list came out. So I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> it's on that list. And yeah, I, I just uh, loved it. it could, I, I mean, probably had to do with the fact that it sounded like the past, but also very contemporary and just... Uh, it, it still sounds kind of timeless. I think the production on it is very no frills, but also uh, it's commercial enough. <laughs> you know, commercial enough that it was released on a on a major label, even though they kind of had a sort of indie rock appeal, which 
It was interesting that the strokes were able to not get too big, but like just big enough to remain cool, even though they're kind of, you know, hyped at the time, I feel like, by a lot of like the British press and other magazines and shit back when that mattered. <laughs> you guys ever feel cheated by the fact that in America we couldn't buy the real album cover? <laughs> The hand on the butt. Yeah. It's all sexy. It also didn't We've got some art bullshit. All... You know, every time I see that, I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? What did I do? Because I'm so used to seeing, <laughs> like, colorful splashes or whatever it is that's on our version. Yeah. Then I'm like, what the? F- oh, God. Oh, no. Your timeline also really makes sense to me, John, because I remember loving Reptilia and kind of all of uh, Room on Fire and then, like, going back to is this it and be like well this is like the same but it doesn't have the songs i already know on it (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know it's different Hmm. uh and because i think a lot of people have the reverse approach right like where is this it is perfect and room on fires is kind of a follow-up where they did the same thing but not as well but for me because i i had it in that reverse order i've always kind of preferred that second album (laughs) Or maybe I'm just oh, yeah. wrong. Maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Colin, were you on the verge of mentioning something else about the British version earlier? Were you going to say something? Yeah, but it's not that fun. I was just going to say it, it, the British version had New York City cops, which the American version didn't because of 9-11. Yeah. Do you think that would you make know. the album better? Like, I wonder. It's weird to think about. Because I hear that song, and it feels out of place when I hear it. I'm, gonna go with I'm not yeah, used to it. Because I like that song. <laughs> it's it's kind of like it must have been like uh, for like Beatles fans back in the day, you know, listening to like Rubber Soul and then hearing the British version of Rubber Soul. It's like, no, this is the wrong version. Like, I know what's the right version. Like, it's weird to have that experience, you know, in a more modern era. So, yeah. Uh, Colin, your number five. Oh, uh, my number five. Uh, <laughs> Like LCD Sound System is what I probably heard for the first time in January of 2010, so I couldn't put it on my original <laughs> 2000s list. It's uh, Alligator by The National, and they're just, you know, one of my favorite bands the last decade or so, and this was kind of the one that started their run of just putting out really consistently great albums that all sound kind of the same but are like just different enough that they feel fresh and it's kind of okay because they write great songs that always seem to grow on you and uh yeah i don't know this is (laughs) one where they still like would kind of rock every once in a while like they had this have songs where matt berringer like screams a little bit but you know they also got the more subdued (laughs) songs that the national are known for and uh to be honest it, it's kind of a toss-up between boxer and this one but just felt like i had to put the national on here is there is that is i was just gonna say is alligator tend to be the one that critically people put as their best or is it boxer i think so boxer. it's you totally think boxer. it's boxer no. <laughs> uh, i i was i was just doing this like uh you know 
I had very little prep time for this, uh, <laughs> so I was definitely looking at other people's like best of the decade, and it's always Boxer. Hmm. Nobody put Alligator, but I was going to put Alligator out too. I'm, I'm glad you chose this one. Interesting. It's what is it about Alligator that? Yeah, that's a good song. Is it just the the choice of songs? Like, is everything else still essentially the same between those two albums? Yeah, I mean, because I don't think I've ever heard Alligator. Maybe it just feels a little more, I don't know, like well-paced, I guess. Kind of the same way that In Rainbows is where it's, it's yeah, it's, it's got a nice mix of sort of more upbeat rocking. I mean, rocking for the national songs and, and ballads where Boxer has this weird drop-off where like the first few songs have kind of this very like percussive like nature to them that's, you know a, a little more upbeat and then it kind of goes way into just all subdued acoustic ballads and i, I guess i like the mix of, of different song types that alligator has but again it's a toss-up <laughs> they're both albums i like a lot both albums i've i've bought on vinyl uh alligator's more adventurous it's more of a journey i think so yeah Yeah, I've never listened to that. I remember listening to, to Boxer not long after it came out because I read in like a magazine. It was just like, I can't remember what magazine it was. It was like, this is the greatest thing you will ever hear, like period. <laughs> music. The music is done. This is the best thing ever. Like, well, that must be pretty good. And I really like that. But I think actually High Violet's probably my favorite hmm. album just because of the time it came out. I remember I'd just gotten like a new, like a MacBook or my first laptop. And this was one of the first albums I bought. Like you know, with all my with my new computer all set up, and then we went to go see them at um, Sasquatch. And that was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember like just loving the fact that they. Uh, I what was that song? Anyone's ghost? Are like this is the first pop song we've ever written. <laughs> you consider that a pop song? <laughs> and that was a great memory for me because that's probably my favorite national song. But. Uh, yeah, it's crazy that I've seen the National. I still haven't listened to Alligator. You know, it's only so, they, what? How many albums do they have? Five, six. I'm gonna go with six. I like yeah. most of the recent ones. Yeah, I've heard all of them. I've heard most of them. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, Sean, you're number five. Yeah, uh, it's an album. I think you guys have said you dislike. Uh, it's Our Ill Wills <laughs> by the Shout Out Louds. <laughs> Uh, the shout I don't out remember ever listening to it. Actually, no, I listened to it. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you might know them for that, like, uh, "Don't Call It a Comeback" song that they did uh, on their 2003 album, "Howl Howl Gaff Gaff." Um, but our ill wills doesn't have any hit songs on it. Uh, it's just this. I feel like I hear that Tonight I Have to Leave It song every once in a while in like a coffee shop. Or, That's awesome because I feel like I've never heard this anywhere. Okay. And I've been okay with that. I've kind of like embraced this as like my album, like my, <laughs> my special little uh, indie darling uh, that I got into. I remember very clearly in the spring of uh, 2008, uh, right towards finals time, uh, I remember I have this like very clear memory of like watching the last episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender, <laughs> and like 
going to class and feeling like I'm gonna I'm gonna get pretty good grades this year, and then like listening to this album <laughs> being like, I'm gonna go get some ice cream later. <laughs> It's a nice story. You make it sound like it's like the highlight of your life. It's just like it didn't get any better than that. It's all so downhill you know, from there. You know, like Nancy, if Nancy was here, Nancy would, is always making fun of me for like seeming like I'm super depressed. And that was for whatever reason. I just like really clearly remember this day being like I'm very content with the way things are. <laughs> it was the one day, ice cream and shout out lads. All it took. I think you know an album's special when you can remember that exact day and everything you're doing that day. (laughs) Even if it wasn't something that today seems like it was super memorable, (laughs) but, you know. Yeah, I don't remember if, like, I guess... So we said we didn't like it, Sean? I don't know. Maybe you guys were okay with it. I just remember playing some of it for Colin and Colin being like, yeah, if I went to listen to this, I'd just listen to The Cure. And I was like, oh, thanks, Colin. Ouch. (laughs) I'm such a nice guy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so open to new things. <laughs> Sorry, um, Sean. But like, I I do the little heart thing in iTunes to keep track of songs I like, and this album has a ton for me. It has uh, "Tonight I Have to Leave It," "You Are Dreaming," "Impossible," "Normandy," uh, and and "Hard Rain." Uh, so that's like not not that many songs get the special heart for me in iTunes. <laughs> so I don't know. It just makes me feel good. Produced by Bjorn of Peter, Bjorn, and John. I really liked, like, one of their albums. One of their albums is yeah. really good. Tell me, Sean, did you continue to listen to this band? Because I haven't heard about them in a while. Yes, I have. And they've been okay. Nothing's been as special. I think they've only had two albums since then. That is uh, correct. Which is telling, because it's been, like, ten years. Um, but I remember their follow-up album being pretty great um and also like involving a lot of other cool people like i think no yeah wikipedia says it's uh one of the fleet foxes people produced it or the 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 producer from the fleet foxes oh cool is that phil eck yep he's produced a lot of stuff (laughs) but phil eck fleet foxes is one of them well, for some reason, that's what Wikipedia chose to. I mean, might out. be the most <laughs> famous band he's produced. I don't know, Just a notable indie rock producer. Still, still knocking Sean down about this band. That <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have to know more than you. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, also, right. uh, just so you know, the cover artwork is in Semaphore. Oh, it's cool. I always like that album cover. Definitely remember this album cover. I thought it was just a bunch of weird flags that I didn't know. But, I mean, Semaphore is flags, but I thought those are, like, the actually, like, country flags. Are they? Well, no, this looks like France. No, you'll, you'll see that, like, um, like, the last two lines, right? They have the same flags, because it's ill and wills. Oh, oh, cool. It's pretty. <laughs> that make a good t-shirt. Just like the cover of the album that I am doing for my number four, it's one you guys have all heard. It's Z by My Morning Jacket. 
It was really Fuck hard yeah. for me to pick. Really hard for me to pick on my morning jacket album. Um, it could have been, you know, this. I actually really like Evil Urges, even though I kind of recently discovered that it wasn't really well liked when it came out. But fuck it, I love that album. And then uh, it still moves. I feel like feels like it's just like a good time. <laughs> like Z Z was kind of a tough choice for me because like Z's kind of dark. It kind of it like it, it feels maybe it's just I'm getting thrown off by that creepy album cover with the crows on it. But it feels like, I mean, there's definitely some upbeat songs, but it also feels like there's some darker kind of moods on there. Like, uh, what's it, the like, the second song on that album is kind of spooky. <laughs> I like I, I can't remember all the titles, but yeah. you know, I remember all the songs. Well, I feel like the last song on the album is like eight minutes long and very moody, and I think it's like about their friend that died or something. So Is that Don Dante? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it has great songs, Gideon, Off the Record. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just a great, it's a great mix of, like, anytime. the rocking stuff from, from It Still Moves. Yeah, Anytime, but also, like, I don't know, a little more experimental. Uh, it was it was tough to, to, to pick one, but I went this one. I even also considered Okonokos, that live album, because <laughs> oh, I remember that was cheating. the album. She cheating, because it's, it's like, it's like, dude, in a greatest hits or something. But, um. You know that was the one that that got me in, in, into that band because Colin, you had that. Yeah. Now before I go into my story, how did you co- come about getting that live album? Uh, well, I feel like I heard Z bef- before getting that live album, but that also brings up the bigger question of how did I find out about my morning jacket? <laughs> I don't know. I think. I think it may have been one of those things where you guys will probably remember how iTunes would like take all the bands in your iTunes and be like, you would like this. We recommend these albums for you. And I think Z was one that kept coming up over and over again. I was like, okay, (laughs) if you say so, iTunes, I just really loved it. And yeah, it definitely helped that it sounded like a, a lot of 70s music, which I was listening to at the time, but also sounded like Radiohead as well, which I was also listening to at the time. Um, and I remember seeing them live. Uh, I think it was after this album and maybe after Okanokos. Maybe they were touring for that live album, which sees seems weird but sounds awesome yeah and they were great live i that was like a mind-blowing show i mean that was probably a show where after i was like that's the best show i've ever seen even though at the time i'd probably only seen like three or four shows <laughs> it well it's still true it then. was true though <laughs> but uh, i also remember i invited john to come to that concert originally but you you couldn't go because you had to work on your senior project so I brought Nancy. I wanted to go so bad, but my parents were like, you got to work on your senior project. <laughs> sucks. Who cares today? Nancy seemed kind of I bored. didn't even finish it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. That sucks. Nancy, you suck. <laughs> I should have been there, but I had to work on my fucking senior project. God. Fuck. Yeah. But how I got into the band. <laughs> yeah, it was. you had that live album and you'd like, you know, you play it in your car. And I remember the date, like, I became a fan. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm a fan. 
It was October tw- uh, 20th, 2006. Because uh, we were like, we are like driving to Bella Bottega, the movie theater in Redmond. And it was dark and it was cold, you know, it was October. And I feel like maybe we we're like running a little late and we had to get to the theater to go see The Prestige because mm. we we're seeing it for Nancy's birthday. I want to say, I don't know if Sean was there. I think Sean was already there or maybe he went with Nancy. Like we, like we were meeting them. So it's just, I think it was just me and Colin. And I remember just like trying to get there in time, like, you know, cruising through the dark, the dark night. And then like <laughs> um, one big holiday is playing. I'm like, oh my god, this is so awesome! Like, I love this band, and um, but I never actually bought that album or anything, or I don't even know if I listened to the whole thing because, like, well, I heard all of this in Colin's car. So <laughs> then I moved on to Z, and that kind of became like my favorite album of theirs. And you know, I still probably hear it like every year or so. I always keep it on, you know, MP3 devices that I still have. So, so I always have it handy in an emergency. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame that they're not quite as good now, but that's fine because they did enough good stuff. So, yep. I'm happy. It's a trajectory of both, uh, both most bands. Yeah. Just kind of runs out after a while. Uh, this both next bands, band, good bands and bad bands. Yes, the <laughs> there trajectory. are there are only two types. <laughs> uh, me and my flubs. Um, this next band maybe they've run out of juice it's kind of hard to say it seems like they're kind of on a extended hiatus i I feel like this band that i've talked about on podcasts and on the blog more than i need to and it's just something you guys put up with but uh it's uh boys and girls in america by the hold steady which they came along just at a good time for me when i was uh, I, don't know, I guess not as in tune with my, my classic rock roots. Uh, it was definitely the start of college when I was getting more snobby and into indie rock. And this was a band that kind of walked that line between, you know, smart, well thought out lyrics and also just these big, dumb riffs and sing along choruses. And I just. I don't know, that, that mix of highbrow and lowbrow always appealed to me a lot. Uh, you could argue maybe Separation Sundays, their better album, but this one I like just because uh, Franz Nicolay, who was the pianist for them for a little while, has a much more uh, prominent part on this album, which makes it sound a lot like Bruce Springsteen, and it just has this epic scope to it, and it's just a lot of fun, and I like it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I th- I wonder always why I don't like them more, and I think maybe uh, maybe I've come up with theories before, but my my current theory is <laughs> it's uh, the hold steady is a very active listening experience. Like mm-hmm. you touched on, it's the the songs are very verbose, right? uh, like they have stories. Yep. Um, and so, like, when, when we saw them live, I had a really, really great time. But when I'm playing Hearthstone, I don't necessarily also want to hear a story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a, a, another huge part of why I love this band is because I, I am a lyrics guy. Lyrics are important to me. And it's like, I can certainly enjoy bands that don't really 
pay any attention to their lyrics that kind of just write whatever's on in their heads but like yeah when a band like will actually sit down and tell a story and actually put some thought into it the way Craig Finn does like that that definitely appeals to me but I feel like a lot of people don't care about lyrics it's just like it's got a nice melody it's good enough for me I find that the dumber the lyrics are the more I care <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's that's working against you too <laughs> for the whole study yeah. I feel like Nancy always used to make fun of the whole city because he thought the main guy sounded like Greg Proops. <laughs> That's something you agree with. That's not inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> you see where he's coming from, and like, yeah, he doesn't have a uh, <laughs> classically <laughs> beautiful voice, uh, but I don't know. It's just something either you, either you, you're into it or you're not. <laughs> yeah. Taste, I suppose. Yeah. I don't remember if I've heard this album. <laughs> well, you probably have. It's been on Colin's like every top ten list. There, it's eligible. every top ten list. Maybe yeah. that's just kept him from listening to. It. He's just like, just <laughs> I don't care, Colin. <laughs> stop, li- stop talking about this shit. <laughs> Did have you put? Uh, we all want the same things as your best of today yet on a rock talk this year. I haven't. Do you want me to? <laughs> I'm just curious how you feel about that. That album? Yeah, now that he's I, alone. I, I guess he's been like, alone for a bit. Yeah, I do like that album a lot. I think it's the best of his solo albums, which I never... I was never sure if I would ever care about a Craig Finn uh, solo album that much. But yeah, this latest one, it's like different enough from the Hold Steady, and it doesn't feel like he's trying to separate himself too much from it that I, I like it yeah that's a good one mm-hmm. uh, speaking of going solo and differentiating yourself my next pick it is my turn right yes yeah. uh, <laughs> my next pick is uh, uh, Bonnie Vers for Emma forever ago <laughs> which was the first uh, Bonnie Vare album. Uh, it's the the legendary one where he like disappeared off into a remote cabin in the woods and like channeled that and recorded it like in the cabin and came back with uh, this beautiful falsetto album uh, about you know like being mediocre and <laughs> not great at love and lonely uh and anytime i'm in the mood for that for specifically that uh which is sadly more often than i like to admit uh it's a it's a great album to play i also really like the other two boni Vare albums um but there's a rawness to forever 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 as i'm gonna call it from now on uh <laughs> That that's not there on uh, on the self titled album, and it's certainly not there on Twenty Two A Million, which is fucking crazy. Um, this it's real good, you guys. Sounds like the opposite of when you listen to Shout Out Louds and Eat Ice Cream. Like, <laughs> what 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 do you do when you're listening to Bon Iver? Like, what's the activity that accompanies this, if anything, or is it just sitting and being sad? 
it's like it's probably raining and it's like <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing also i do go camping a lot and like automatically a great album to listen to <laughs> when you're in the woods yeah i can see that like i'm just like him yep freebie <laughs> Uh, no, I like this album a lot, even though I feel like it's <laughs> it's what I'm always like kind of hesitant to embrace. But I don't know. I feel like this and like Funeral by Arcade Fire were kind of two landmark albums. I guess maybe Fleet Foxes too. In just like they were kind of hallmarks in the wimpification of indie rock, <laughs> like <laughs> making it way less about punk and loud guitars and making indie rock way more about just like sad lonely bearded guys just talking about their feelings which is fine you know there's always a time and place for that but i don't know i, I like it loud a lot of the times but you know it, 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 it's a good album <laughs> and i, I yeah. like those other two bonnie Vera albums as well it occurs to me that i also like i went to a liberal arts college in small town Oregon where there's like a ton of like guys who wanted to be singer songwriters doing <laughs> exactly this shtick and not a lot of rock bands so maybe that was yeah. just like the necessary reality of my college vibe that I had mm-hmm. to like music like this so I wouldn't survive <laughs> like every single person in my creative writing class was probably gonna bring a guitar and sing skinny love at some point yeah and they all had huge beards. I was so jealous. Yep. It's just a requirement if you want to play this kind of music. It's Get bullshit. your beard on. John? My number three, I guess, is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number three, I think when we did this list originally, was my number one. So it, I, how the mighty have fallen, but I still love it a lot because it's number three and that spoon... Ga, 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 ga. And so, yeah, how did I get into Spoon? I think it was I heard, um, what was that song? You Got Your Cherry Bomb, I believe it was. I heard that on, I think it was the radio, the end. And being really into that song. But then I missed who it was. Because, you know, damn the radio, they don't always say. (laughs) And then not long after, I heard... um, don't you ever and i loved that song and then eventually i heard the underdog and then i put together i was like wait those are all the same band it's like well (laughs) i'm gonna buy that that's awesome i mean it's crazy to think now because brit daniels is like such a like uh you know just a familiar voice like it's very recognizable and and i got that album and it had all those great songs but it was also like kind of weird there's songs like japanese cigarette or case or whatever that's called and like ghost of you lingers which there really isn't much to it just like some pianos and like some weird echoey vocals but that's kind of what i liked about it is a nice balance of like experimental and polished pop music and i think the reason it was my favorite for so long was because i got it and then like a bunch of important like life moments happened like i finally got my driver's license and like i got my first job and it's like it felt like my soundtrack for like a long time. Like I always had it in my car from like, I probably had it in my car from 2007 to probably the whole time I had my, my Dodge Stratus, that red Dodge Stratus. So it was like 2007 to probably 2013. So, and it was always in my car, you know, and I just, and I, you know, I've listened to all the other spoon albums and I like a lot of those other ones, but I don't know that one just for me always felt like the best balance of, of like singles and like weird 
Like I like the new ones, but I almost feel like they're too they're too polished now. Like I kind of prefer when they like would do weird shit. <laughs> you know, like back when they were doing songs like on Kill the Moonlight, they have that one song where like instead of drums, it's just someone going like. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> I miss shit like oh, that. Man. Like that's funny. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, I think I kind of fell into this album around the same time you did, and for similar reasons. But I think i just immediately heard the underdog and was like yeah this is just a great song and that was kind of a crossover hit for them i guess as much of a crossover yeah, hit as they ever had uh and i don't know like in, in thinking of uh potential albums for this list one thing i wrote down was just any spoon album <laughs> and it's kind of the reason why no spoon albums made it onto my list is like I would, I'm not really sure what to choose. I feel like every single album they released in the 2000s is great, but no, there's no one of them that stands head and shoulders above the rest. I can see why you would go with this one, I guess, because it was your first, and as you said, it's tied to a special time in your life. But, like, mm-hmm. girls could tell... Kill the Moonlight, Gimme Fiction, this one. They're, they're all really great and different and kind of deconstructing sort of a lot of rock conventions. And, yeah, they're, they're just one of the, the best bands of the decade, I think, just because they're so consistent. Uh, all right, so Colin, right? Your number three. Yeah, uh, this next one is an album, you know, I got into post 2000s. It's definitely a, a teens discovery, and I've talked about it before. And it's look, it's not like a groundbreaking album, but at the end of the day, is pretty much everything I want out of music. Uh, and I know that it's it's playing to my taste specifically. It's uh, Guitar Romantic by the Exploding Hearts, which were a band that released one album and one album only uh they were out of portland and uh (laughs) they all died in a car accident after releasing this one album which is a weird tragic thing to hang over this album because it's like the most joyous (laughs) catchy fun music that you'll ever hear it's definitely indebted to a lot of late 70s punk like the buzzcocks especially and it's just uh yeah it's just a really easy album for me to put on if i want something that'll put me in a good mood even if it has that tragic backstory to it and i think the fact that this band only released one album definitely probably catapults it more in my mind because I don't know. It's just like it makes it more precious. It's the only one I got from this band, and uh, yeah, I like it a lot. It's like twenty-eight minutes and too. Yeah, it's just that's I, it. I, sure, I've listened to this album as as much as any other album on this list, just because yeah, it's so so listenable. Somewhere out there must be the saddest like Angel Fire fan site you've ever seen, because like. Obviously, the the tragic, you know, 
direction of this band, but also there being like so little like else aside from that album. Like I doubt like there are people out there like, oh man, I found this uh, this this uh, thing they this demo they recorded. Just like there's so little. It's such a small sample size that that it's sad. But at least that sample size we got was so great. Yeah, I remember falling in love and. I was just gonna say I remember falling in love with this album. We we did like a podcast where like it was, I think it was specifically best albums of that year <laughs> of two thousand three. I, I, really, I remember that. Yeah, and I really got into that one. So, guess it wasn't worth bringing up, but that's the origin of that. Hey. All my all my albums have to have their origin story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm glad you've at least listened to it because this one isn't as I don't know as widely known as some of my other top picks which a lot of are kind of obvious ones but i don't know this one just does it for me all right sean you're number three yeah it's in rainbows by radiohead (laughs) ah yeah shit was free (laughs) (laughs) do you remember that they also they they put it out um in like a vinyl mp3 bundle that came with a whole second disc Oh yeah! Did you ever get that second disc? I wish. Did you? You know it. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. It's not as good, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is there anything we didn't mention earlier? Uh, I guess we were mentioning how like w- like well paced it is. Like I remember the lead off single is the second to last song on the album, Jigsaw Falling Into Place, though. I feel like any song on that album could have been the single. Yeah. You know, it's actually, like... I don't know if, like, Radiohead's ever been, like, a very commercial band, but that one feels like... You know, like, I could imagine hearing these songs on the radio. So... Mm-hmm. I think I think it works well in that way. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's... They're right on the cusp of becoming too experimental for everyone. Uh, with like Johnny Greenwood going off and doing very atmospheric and weird movie soundtracks and uh, it feels like The King of Limbs took forever to come out and then it was yeah, bizarre and kind of disappointing uh, and then A Moonshaped Pool that was, I don't know I like the A Moonshaped Pool but that was also like kind of intense and sad um but man, I really liked Radiohead at the time. I remember going to yeah. see them with uh, with Brian, my cousin, and uh, and Colin. Uh, and they did a pretty like they did most of this album as well as um, some Kid A stuff, some OK Computer stuff, uh, a Neil Young cover at one point, um, and it was just awesome. That was. That was maybe my favorite show we've ever gone to. I remember it, it like rained and it made it even more awesome. Uh, they, I remember they ended the set. The they did like three encores, which was like I don't know. At a certain point, it was just like they just need to leave the stage for a second, I guess. Uh, I remember they ended with uh, everything in its right place, and they like walked off the stage for the last time, and the music was still repeating, and it was raining, and it was just amazing to me yeah yeah that's what I was gonna ask about was you guys going to that show it's pretty special seeing them outdoors like that too I think they're coming by or they did come by again it's like Key Arena it's like nah man Key Arena sucks <laughs> see them out in the elements that's cool <laughs> uh, number two we're almost there guys we're almost there 
My number two pick is, we talked about it earlier, Vampire Weekend, their self-titled debut. I probably also like their um, latest album the most, so this is not my favorite Vampire Weekend album anymore, but I still listen to it from time to time. For me, Vampire Weekend, like my discovery of Vampire Weekend was, uh, like, for me, like, it'll always be the last of the VH1 bands because like there's a period in time in high school when I was watching like VH1 before I'd go to school watch music videos I don't know why VH1 over MTV for some reason maybe their morning rotation worked better for me or something and uh, but this you know this would have been after high school but still I probably have been going to like community college so I'd probably still see it in the morning and I saw a uh, Vampire Weekend do A-Punk and I'm like oh I like that and then I remember me and Peter Williams going to um <laughs> the cd store and he already had it on a list of like albums he was going to buy so it's like oh then i'll just get it that way and uh he bought like 20 albums i swear <laughs> it's like he had so much music um but like yeah he let me we went over to sean's and we put it on sean's computer i don't remember if sean like agreed with this but that's what we did <laughs> yeah peter was definitely and i just burned a copy those friends who would just force stuff <laughs> on you whether you want yeah to it was total to song rape he's like put this in your library yes. i'm putting this in your library well i think the thing was i wanted it and we were like we we're heading over to your house sean so i was like well i can just put it on sean's computer and then we can you know burn a copy and i can get it that way and that's what we did and and yeah, fell in love with that album. Like the kind of jangly, almost cute guitars and uh, kind of island rhythms. You know, Paul Simon comes up a lot uh, in describing that sound, and I still love it. So number two, it felt right, moving up the ranks. <laughs> I think it's probably higher than it used to be for me, just because of the fact that. I loved their their newest album so much that it like it made everything better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I'm like wow, this is like one of my all time favorite bands of like the past few decades. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, my next one was one that was on my original list. Uh, lower, I think, just because I had only recently got into it in like 2009. And I actually do have a car story for this one. I feel like you guys have all these car stories, oh. and I haven't had any. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first time listening to this album where it really clicked for me was a, a summer spent in, in Minnesota at my aunt and uncle's house. And my parents drove you know out from the sticks where they lived into Minneapolis. And it just felt appropriate. Uh, in the Midwest <laughs> listening to this album which is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco and uh, yeah it's just uh, an album that is just it's 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 what it sounds like when a band like really steps it up and are like alright we're gonna make our big statement now <laughs> you know making an album that's experimental and weird and but also has this great sort of backbone of kind of classic Americana songwriting. I mean, Jeff Tweedy just had already like written a bunch of great songs up till this point. But I, I feel like the thing that's great about this album is kind of the tension at the center of it. Because I know Jay Bennett was in the band at the time and he kind of stoked the more experimental tendencies of Wilco and uh, 
him and Jeff Tweedy did not get along at the time. And I think Jay Bennett was kicked out after this album, and I feel like Wilco weren't that interesting for a while after it. I mean, I, I they still haven't really put out anything nearly as as great as this one, and it's one I've bought on vinyl, even though. I'm not in love with the packaging because they stretched it out to two LPs on vinyl, and it's like, you know, this is like a 55-minute album. <laughs> I don't like having to change that many sides, especially when the last song is like a bunch of dead air on it. Like, couldn't you just cut that out? Anyways, That's really weird. Yeah, it is. Why would... It's so they're just short sides? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, or did they... It's just like three songs per side. <laughs> Is there Still any practical good, reason to do that? Or is it like literally they're just like, this is a good way to break up the album, according to us, the wrong people that made this album? <laughs> I'm trying to go through my Netflix history to find the day that I watched that Wilco, the documentary about the making of that album. Because mm-hmm. that's how I became a fan of that album was the documentary. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. And then I remember like the first time I listened to it, like, I don't know how I got a copy, but I like put it on at like 1 a.m. <laughs> and just started listening to it, you know, and probably in my college dorm or something. And just like all the weird little sounds on that for, on the first song. Is the first song was it I'm Trying to Break Your Heart? Yeah. The, what's the first song? Yeah. It's got like a bunch of weird little sound effects peppered in there. And I just remember it's like so whimsical kind of being just like sucked into that album. And yeah, it's kind of like the perfect Wilco album. Like I, I've heard others, but nothing quite hits that like that sweet spot that 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 yankee hotel foxtrot does you know it's like wow it's like you, you made it you made the perfect album i guess just you just quit you're just done yeah that's not to say there are wilco albums i like i, I mean they've remained oh, sure. consistently good but it's just yeah it's hard for a band with like a big monolithic album kind of overshadows everything else they're ever gonna do but it's a good problem to have, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Do you guys remember the name of that Wilco documentary? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> I Am Trying to Break Your Heart. It is I Am Trying to Break Your Heart. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a long, long search for me, so I'll do that <laughs> later. It's crazy that you can go on Netflix and go all the way back to when you first started your account, see yeah. every, single, every single thing you've watched, because... Yeah, we've talked about two bands here that I got into from Netflix document or documentaries that ended up on Netflix, Wilco and Flaming Lips. Mm-hmm. So, just all the fun ways you discover music. Uh, Sean, you're number two. Yeah, my number two is uh, Dear Science by TV on the Radio, a uh, band that's like 100% dropped off in relevance, like... <laughs> Nobody even talks about them anymore, uh, and and partially that's because they're like they're a different band now. Their bassist died of cancer, um, I think before the, even their next album came out uh, after Dear Science. But back in two thousand eight, this was the shit, and like, I even if like. Regardless of anything else, regardless of all their other albums, uh, which includes Return to Cookie Mountain, which is also awesome, like, Dear Science is fucking perfect, and you should not forget that this album exists, uh, just because 
like I guess TV on the radio doesn't matter anymore. Uh, it's just it's the coolest album I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> it's a super contemporary, like frustrated with the bullshit of modern life, uh, or at least modern life in 2008 I'd, i would like if this album came out now it'd be even more fucked up for sure um but it's got like some scary songs it's got some rocking songs uh it's got the coolest song of all time dlz oh yeah uh breaking bad well, <laughs> which is in breaking bad yeah yeah and walter white's like fuck you i'm doing this shit yeah, I don't like, remember the scene territory. that. I remember that okay. scene hella. It's like stay out of my territory. He's like intimidating this huge like skinhead in like a Home Depot. Nice, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, like uh, every song on this is good. Uh, it's great. I agree. Even though uh, I also agree, it's it is odd that this band doesn't feel as relevant anywhere. I don't know why that is. I guess they just feel very tied to the latter days of the Bush administration. I guess just that frustration mm-hmm. you're talking about. And for some reason they well, maybe 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 they would sound relevant again. I don't know. I should probably revisit this album. I remember liking it a lot at the time. Um yeah. Just, just a really good band that mixed a lot of different styles and genres into something that felt vital at the time. <laughs> Maybe it would feel vital now. I don't know. All right, are we are we down to it? Are we down to number one? I think we are. Yes. And just so every, if everyone was curious, I became a Wilco fan on November twentieth, two thousand ten. <laughs> Okay, I see it right here in my Netflix uh, browser history. I remember watching it early in the morning, eating breakfast, and then picking up my guitar and walking over to Nancy's apartment where we were going to jam, but it didn't really work out. We are just like, whatever. And then we just said, I just left. <laughs> Not much of a story. Uh, there's, I guess there's some stories with my number one pick. What's weird is when this album originally came out, I liked it okay, and I liked it for just years and years. And it really wasn't until like maybe the last... I don't know, four or five years that I it became one of my favorites of all time and you know, I, I listened to it just a couple of days ago and it just like it, it still like strikes a chord with me and I went with the postal service, give up. I was waiting for a cross town train in the London underground when it struck me that I've been waiting since birth to the reason i went with that is um i definitely like i i feel like played a big part in the early stages of my relationship with my girlfriend autumn we've been together for four years now and i remember we were just friends at the time and uh you know just getting to know each other finding out what bands we liked and i remember she's like oh i'm going to go see the postal service in portland this summer and we weren't dating anything but i was like you know what i'm gonna get tickets to that show and i bet we're gonna be dating by the time that show comes around so i was like sean let's get tickets and you, sean's like oh hell yeah <laughs> and nancy came too and i was I like, was like eh. 
<laughs> I think it it was like I've already seen Ben Gibbard live twice. <laughs> this ain't gonna be any different. Um, it's funny that you had that plan and you're still like, I'm gonna bring my friends. Well, you know, I don't know. It was it was like a a buffer because I didn't really know what was gonna happen. You know, like it was still it was it was months off. You know, but it was probably like a couple weeks after. Um, that I finally, you know, asked for my girlfriend. But I think it was even before that that I said, um, oh, I got tickets to that show too. But it's, <laughs> that makes it seem weird and stalkery because it's like, like uh, you remember how you told me you were going to that show? I got tickets. Crazy, right? <laughs> but, I mean, we were friends and everything. But And then, yeah, and then she made my girlfriend. I remember we, we drove down and um, Sean and Nancy drove down and we all went to go see them at, like, I'm not sure what that venue's called now in Portland. It was called, I think, the Rose Garden then. It's where the Trailblazers play, which seems like a weird venue for the Postal Service because it's this huge basketball scene. Half of it looked empty, but that was a really mm-hmm. cool show, and they played the whole album. And that was just like a fun trip, and that's just such a great memory for me, like us like going to that show and then like going to that crappy Mexican place like at midnight or whatever where they had everybody else Raymond closed caption and the color was off on the TV and, and Mario and Luigi were hanging out outside <laughs> there was two guys like taking out the trash and one was wearing red suspenders and the other was wearing green suspenders <laughs> and someone tried to like stealthily take a photo <laughs> that was great and we got like voodoo donuts and we went to a bar where we saw like a Sopranos pinball machine, and it's just like, and we took that great picture where we inserted Colin later as a ghost. It's one of my favorite pictures <laughs> of us as a group, even though Colin wasn't technically there. Or technically dead at that point. <laughs> Not technically, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so there's just like a lot of great memories tied around that time in my life it's like it's not like that album came out like you know it was, it was 10 year anniversary and i have that t-shirt i still have that t-shirt i i probably wore it this week my postal <laughs> service concert shirt i remember before i went to the show i was talking to autumn and i was like uh remember don't you get any like the shirts because you like get these online later and it's like pff, it's like total ripoff and then i remember getting in there and sean's like well come on like are you really gonna get one another time because sean's so good at persuading people <laughs> and i got one and i was like i thought you said you weren't getting a shirt i was like Sean made a good case for getting a shirt, so I got a shirt. And yeah, it's just like, and I, I, I haven't really talked about the actual album. You know, it's just it's really beautiful. It's catchy. I, it's you know, it's Ben Gibbard, so it feels like this is like you know, this is from the Northwest. This feels like home. Um, I have that like super deluxe edition that's got like a bunch of covers on it too. It's got, like the Shins doing like a cover of like We'll Become Silhouettes and. I feel like I've heard, I pretty much heard everything they've ever done, but like, uh, yeah, it just really sticks with me. It's really a lot of memories. Yeah, I guess we should also mention that, like, it also has two other people in the band. There's uh, uh, the headset <laughs> guy, and then there's Jane Jimmy Tamborolillo. I don't remember his last name. Oh, the guy from All That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Tamborelli. Danny Tamborelli and Jenny Lewis from uh, from that Fred Savage movie. Wizards. Yeah, no, they're great. <laughs> and of course, they were all at the show. Like they all, they all played together. Jenny Lewis was there doing her parts. Mm-hmm. Ben Gibbard was and running Big over Frida. to the drum set. <laughs> Colin, do you know Big Frida? Yeah, a little bit. Well, she's like, I don't know. She it seemed like she played one song, and she had a bunch <laughs> of dancers. 
and they just didn't stop shaking like their asses the whole time. <laughs> and like the, I don't remember what you call that kind of music, but it is the most bounce. repetitive bounce. It's the most repetitive music you've ever heard. <laughs> it's like a whole song will just be like, "Y'all get back now, y'all get back now, y'all get back now" for like ten minutes. It's yeah, like I actually better get back. Songs. She did. She did that. Y'all get back now, and then she did that. Ass everywhere. Ass everywhere. Ass everywhere. <laughs> ass everywhere. It's like, wow, this is not the opening act that I would, you know, expect for <laughs> Postal Service. You expect something a little more mellow. Some sad dude with a beard, not this, like, bounce music. But that was fun, too. That was a, that was a crazy time. Those were crazy times. I, I also, I just, I thought it was really, like, just seeing that act and also, like, surveying the Portland audience of like skinny white nerds uh like watching these uh these women like bounce their butts non-stop for 20 minutes was funny to me and then even later in the show when ben gibbard's like and like big thanks to big frida that was really great don't you think he's like <laughs> yeah we love you big frida <laughs> wow, so weird good times colin good times you're number one i i don't that sucks <laughs> Yeah, it's such a good story behind your number one. I don't really have any good stories behind Just make my one number up. one. I mean, okay, so <laughs> I can almost just talk about bad things surrounding this album that I should <laughs> like not like about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's Is This It by The Strokes. It was my number one on my original top ten list, you know, back in 2009. I still love it. I don't know why. I mean, the Strokes have done nothing to win me over in the ten years since. I remember even seeing them live in, like, 2006, 2007, which this was, like, the first Impressions of Earth tour, which was when they seemed kind of burned out on being the Strokes. Like, they weren't bad. It was just the whole show felt very Workman-like. Like, every song sounded exactly like the record. And, you know, like, every song just ended on them going, and that's the end of the song. And then they move on to the next song. Maybe Julian Casablanca's mumbles something into the microphone. And uh, now on to the next song. But I guess it's just still that, that... memory of you giving me this uh this album uh burned on cd and being like there is still great things going on in rock music you know i was so entrenched in the past and here's a band embracing the past but also feeling very of that moment even though <laughs> i think i listened to it a few years after it come out but it's just uh yeah one i i just return to it every time i'm like this is great just good ass rock and roll music I was so pissed that I missed out on that show I was in Las Vegas <laughs> uh, like on a vacation and I just like uh, you know I kind of would rather see that show but I don't know I did get to see the Beatles uh, like tribute group so oh. I guess I've seen the Beatles though so I got to see the Beatles <laughs> instead 
the Fab Four. Yeah, the Fab. Yeah, the Fab Four. And I think I saw Penitent on that on that uh, trip too. But yeah, they hear the shit. I remember like first like Impressions of Earth coming out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is still good, right? This is like I like this, right? This is pretty cool. It's got a, like cool booklet. The old lyrics is nice. But like <laughs> looking back, I'm like, I don't know. It's okay. It has a few decent songs. Cause like I love. Like, the first one, I mean, it was on my top ten. It was like one of my favorite albums. And the second one, also great. Love that one. So it was, like, really hard to deal with, like, a Strokes album that wasn't as good as those other ones. But, like, oh, I can, like, respect this. Like, it's, like, different, though. It's, like... And then I remember when I got... What was the one after this? Angles? Right? Yeah. Like, after that, I had I didn't buy another CD for, like, four years. Like, I was just done with CDs. And it was weird that for a long time, that was the last one that I bought. <laughs> Well, I mean, you'd and bought, I remember I didn't even like it that much. You bought every other Strokes album on CD. You just feel obligated, I guess. I felt, yeah, it was like ob- like I hadn't bought one probably in like a little while because I I probably was getting music from other means or on iTunes or whatever. Um, it's funny that I've kind of gone back to buying CDs if there's a album like I really want. It's cool to have and put it in my car. Um, but man, nothing will ever beat the memory of that of that first one. And I think I still have the physical copy of it around here somewhere and putting it on. And it's just like, it's so simple. You can't believe someone else didn't like, didn't crack that nut (laughs) for them. And like, it's, I guess it's sad that like they never really reached that again after those first couple of years. But it's like, I mean, what else could they do? You know, like the second album was kind of the same thing again and it was still good, but it's like, where do you go? Like. We should probably should have just quit so we'd all be like, oh, man, can you believe the Strokes never did another album? <laughs> yeah, should have just killed them all in a car crash. <laughs> it's weird when there's a band like that, like, I don't know, like Neutral Milk Hotel, where it's like, oh, man, can you imagine if they did another album? It's like you probably just would have ended up hating them at some point. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Remember Modest Mouse a couple of years ago? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish I had a, I wish I'd put Modest Mouse on here because I have like my Modest Mouse concert going experience, which is one of my least favorite concerts I've ever been to. Um, not entirely because actually no fuck it is because of the band because they didn't play fucking float on fuck you modest mouse that's why you're here I know we're talking about the structs so I'm sorry about that outburst it's alright <laughs> yeah fucking good album shit I'm not trying to take away from the spotlight from you Con I know that's no, okay we already talked about it a bit <laughs> the I don't have any great stories behind it either. Oh well, it's just a good ass. There's no album. greater story than the story of your love. For sure. This music. <laughs> Unless Sean's got a great story for his number one. Mm, not really. No. Uh, only that it's probably another album that's just gonna piss you guys off. Piss us. That's pretty controversial. Number one. Uh, yeah, and like I gotta be clear that it's not number one because i think it's the best of these albums or the best certainly not the best of the decade but more like uh i did this list i think basically in chronological order um and if there's any 2000s album that defines my tasted music today and it's probably influenced a lot of the musics the musics the plural of music musics that i've listened to uh, since, you know, it, it came out in 2009, it's XX by the XX.
Like, some albums tell a story, and some albums do, like, one thing for the entire album. Uh, and this is that, and that it, it's, it's atmosphere, and it's echoes, and it's minimalism. Uh, it's the, the only... Even though it's the, like... The, the first album by this band is actually not their most minimal because they're, they're a four-piece at this point and they're, they stripped down to a three-piece uh, for their second album. Uh, but it's it's this album of, you know, it's it's the, it's at the, the burgeoning era of, like, people using their laptops to make music and uh, it's, it's kids that are, like, still, like, not great at the instruments that they play. Uh, but they still they tap into that that you know sort of dream pop sound that I really like, and there's not a ton of uh, and uh, like a, a ton of the music I like, and way more of the music that I hate uh, these days uh, was influenced by XX. So I wanted to to get that on here, especially knowing uh, that I purposely didn't put it on my list last time we did this on the blog because I was afraid you guys would yell at me. <laughs> Why do you think this would piss us off? I don't know, because Colin's on the podcast. <laughs> well, uh, it's not a band I like actively dislike. It's just they've never worked for me. I don't know. I thought maybe, maybe old Colin would have been pissed off at you, you fucking <laughs> idiot, for liking this. But it's like, eh, I get it. This is totally an album <laughs> you know that that caters to your taste it's and a lot of people like it uh it's just yeah i, I think i've tried to get into this album and this band it's just never clicked i don't know i'm not mad <laughs> <laughs> i didn't you know, really I think you'd be mad Maybe maybe the cloud of Colin is so blinding, Sean, that you didn't realize that I actually love this album. I've loved this album for years. Like, it was um, one of my honorable mentions. Like, um, I remember the first time I ever heard an XX song, and it totally blew me away. I was coming back from, like, I used to work at Petco, and I worked, um, we call it uh, Freight Night. You know, I'd come home at 3.30 in the morning. And I remember putting on the, uh, listening to the end, and the crystallized came on, and I was like, "What mm. is this? This is so weird!" Like the interplay between guitar and bass, and how the drums are just, like I don't know if there's anyone who plays like like percussion in this like modern age more interesting than um, J- than who's it go by Jamie XX. Like every member of that band is so integral, and what he brings is so unique. And I love that album because it's like, it's so sparse, but like. It's so like impactful, like emotionally. Like, intro is like so like that's like the best intro. Like that is so sweet. Like I can imagine a baseball pitcher like coming out to that or something. Like it's a huge song. <laughs> and like it's, they it's create... one of the few that gets away with that. Um, there's a YouTube video that's like intro by the XX for ten hours and like <laughs> no joke. I put that on for <laughs> for a few sessions. It's pretty good. Like I love how stripped down it is, and how like stark and like sparse, and like it's crazy that you, it can be so emotional with so little. Like it's crazy. Like for me, like because of the first time I heard it, like that's the perfect album to listen to when it's like ridiculously late. <laughs> that's how. I yeah. Like yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. It is. <laughs> you don't want. You don't want. Uh, you know the strokes that that late. Uh, 
you want some you want a little melancholy in there my only regret is that I never really got into their other albums. I've never listened to Coexist. Um, and their new one, I really liked that weird single with the Hall & Oates sample, but I didn't really listen to it. So, I mean, the album. So, uh, I don't know. Just nothing really you know, struck a chord with me as much as that first one. It's pretty special. I think it's that thing that I was talking about with like the yeah yeah yeahs when like a band approaches like a concept in such a minimal way. It's like you can really only make that work great like once, and then you gotta move on and do other stuff. But you know you'll always have that first time you did it, which will be special. Yeah, and I I think also you see that Jamie XX has gone on in his solo career to do so much that I, I it it feels like maybe these holding himself back to, to try to make the XX work anymore. Yeah, because his solo album was really good. So, hmm. I don't know what to do about that. How did you find out about them, Sean? How was the story there? Do you remember? Uh, I have a story in my head, but I don't think it's true. I think I just made it up. Which <laughs> Classic is that, Sean. Which is that... <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh... Which is that I I heard it in the UK when I was in the UK, but I don't cool. that, I don't think that can be true. I say think that's it's true. More... It's a good story. <laughs> okay, well I'll say I, all I remember about the UK is I, I clearly I, I heard some song from this album, and uh, lots of I believe Inglorious Bastards posters everywhere. Yeah. I make that make the timeline makes sense. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you like what you heard, you could check us out on mildlypleased.com or iTunes. Search mildly pleased, and you can find Rock Talk along with other podcasts. So they are infrequent, but they're all there. Um, what else we got? Pitching tents, some kind of movie, classic episodes of Stream Police. Maybe that show will come back. You know, if enough people write in. Um, but this has been Rock Talk. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and join us next time where the lights will guide you home and ignite your bones, and we will fix you.